Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Engage. Enterprise, Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Catherine Janeway. Captain Sisko. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And to make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Hailing frequencies open, sir. And we're back. Okay. I love the new theme. Who's loving the new theme? Brian, are you loving the new theme? Yes. <laughs> Everybody's loving the new theme. It's its uh sec it's its second journey. It's its uh it's its second show. So it's um what does that make it? It makes it the uh Corvamite maneuver of uh of uh of that new theme. So we love it. And um it's, it's fun to hear, and I'm grooving right here in my seat here in Deck 44. Welcome to another episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hoffman. You can tweet at me at, at @jhoffman. You can go to Facebook at facebook.com slash engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Is that how long the Facebook name is? Is it Engage, the official Star Trek podcast? That's so long. It is. It's facebook.com slash engage, the official Star Trek podcast. That's the Facebook page. That's life. Sometimes, listen, some of us are blessed with a long Facebook name. You know, that's just how it is. You should go to that because, by the way, this episode that we're launching, if you listen to these relatively live and on time, uh, you should know that this is the uh, first show, the last show, pardon me, before my favorite holiday of the year, Halloween. It's almost Halloween. And what I want to see from you, my faithful listeners, I want to see pictures of you in Star Trek Halloween costumes. I want you to send them to me, uh, send them to the show. I want you to take the picture of you dressed as Sexy Riker. I want to see your Sexy Riker pics or your Sexy Seven of Nine pics or your Sexy uh, Jordy LaForge pics. Sexy Worf. Sexy Worf. I want to see your sexy wharf pics. Send your sexy wharf pics. Bat lefts out for sexy wharf. Send them to, uh, you can put them right on my wall at facebook.com slash engage the official Star Trek podcast. And believe me, you may not think that your wharf pics are sexy. I think they're sexy. I think they're very sexy and I want to see them. You can tweet them at me too at at Jay Hoffman or just use the hashtag Hashtag engage pot. And about that Facebook page, listen, I have been asleep at the wheel. We 
used to be we used to put up more behind the scenes stuff, some videos. We haven't done it as much as we used to. I'm going to get back on the train. That's my pledge to you, my friends. I apologize. Last week's show was terrific. We had a one. We had guests of a lifetime. Guests we've always wanted. Denise and Michael Akuda. If you didn't listen to last week's show yet, it's right back there. If you were looking at your Play.it or your uh, your iTunes or whatever the heck you use to stream, we had two great Star Trek insiders. Michael Akuda has been involved in Star Trek in a hundred different capacities since Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. And Denise has been involved since, uh, I believe she said Star Trek VI, although technically she was involved in Star Trek The Motion Picture because she was, as we talked about, um, an extra on that famous day when they got all the fans together. And they've been working ever since, and uh, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, on the side of the scenes, and just published the new version of the Star Trek Encyclopedia, and uh, you can buy it now. Uh, this week's show is not a Star Trek Insider. This week's show is one of you, one of us. I'm talking to a great fan today. I'm speaking with um, my new friend Jacqueline Coley from uh, Black Girl Nerds. We pre-recorded an interview when I was in Austin, Texas a little while ago, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But before we do... Um, did I mention Sexy Riker yet? Sexy Wharf? I did. You know, there, there never, uh, there was a Star Trek, um, Halloween episode. There was. Technically, if you want to, if you want to get technical, Cat's Paw from season two, it's of original series. It's a season two episode that feels like a season three episode, if you know what I mean. Um, it's, uh, it is, was, was, was written and produced with Halloween in mind, and it did, come out when did it when was the actual release date the actual release uh, date was 1967. oh my god october 27 1967 look at you with your high speed internet over there Ryan. uh cat's paw uh if you look at it from a certain angle if you, if you hold it upside down and shake it by the by the ankles it's basically kirk and spock get trapped in a haunted house i mean it's not really that because there's you know they're on this planet and there's you know they, they sci-fi it up but at the end of the day, uh, they're chained up. They got spooky um, skeletons there. They got a giant black cat. It's some of the worst special effects. Actually, the winners of the um, of the uh, in Las Vegas this year, the winners of the costume contest were dressed as the aliens. the The two aliens are revealed to be these like felt. They look like little parrots or something, like little finches. They look like these purple and red finches on 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 visible string. And no matter how many times they remodel the Blu-ray, remaster the Blu-ray, you can still see the string on the two aliens whose names, there they are. They look like prawns mixed with finches. Korob and Sylvia, right? Yes, that's right. Korob and Sylvia. Sylvia, um, she, uh, Korob has like a stick with a little glass sphere on the end of it. And there's the cat. Look at you. It's too bad people people at home can't see it, but they know what it looks like. And if they don't, they can Google it. So, um, yeah, dress as cat's paw. That's a double, a double uh, Halloween. So before we get to the interview, which we recorded in Austin, Texas, not that long ago, at an awesome um, uh, event called Fantastic Fest, which is a, uh, a film festival, but also a culture festival, and it's all set in Austin, Texas, and it's about uh, sci-fi horror films, cult films, weirdo films. And I was down there and I met with Jacqueline there. But um, you know what I wish I had down there with me while I was there? 
were my, this is the greatest segue ever, was I wish I was able to bring my desk so I could gaze lovingly at my Eagle Moss Star Trek Starships collection. I wish I could take it with me everywhere, but it's hard to carry a desk with you. And that's, or, or a mantelpiece, or a hearth, a hearth where your Star Trek uh, Starships collection should be. Do you know, and I think you do, because you listen to this show, that there is this uh, company called Eagle Moss, right? And they make these high-end models. They do all kinds of stuff. I was looking at their website. They do military watches. They do a thing where you can kind of create your own, um, uh, like, solar system, like, you know, uh, you know, like a... Scientists in in like Jules Verne's they had they had um, you know they would have they solariums I think they're called no they're called something but they um, they have plant you know planets whizzing around you can build your own but the jewel in their crown is their starships collection and it goes deep I'm telling you it's not just the Enterprise uh, and the Enterprise D they got I'm just looking at it here they got the Nausicaan fighter a Gem Hadar fighter they got the Borg cube they got the Reliant they got the Defiant they got uh, the Excelsior. Um, and it's a mailing service. You, you sign up. It's five bucks for the first one, uh, free shipping. And then after that, it's a relatively, it's, you know, the price goes up, but it doesn't go up exponentially. It's a reasonable amount. And you get it uh, twice monthly, and it comes with a magazine attached so you can read up about all kinds of facts and figures. Uh, you go to ST or ST Starships, ST Starships.com slash engage. I mention this because Eagle Moss is the sponsor of our segment, which we, wait, let me get my announcement, um, is the, se- uh, yeah, is the sponsor of the segment we like to call Space Doc. And this week in Space Doc, we're going to talk about facts and figures hmm. of the, um, oh boy, my notes here, Eagle Moss. Let's talk about the Voyager, or Voyager. You know, only once on the show Voyager did they call the ship Voyager the Voyager, and that was in the premiere, in the pilot, Caretaker, um, as, they're, as they're going to, they go, look, there's the Voyager, and never again did they say the, you know, like Facebook was called the Facebook, and then Justin Timberlake said, just call it Facebook, and then they would, and then that's, the movie was great. It is an intrepid class starship, the NCC 74656, and it was constructed where? Where was it constructed, Brian? That's right, the Utopia Planitia Fleet Yards in the orbit of Mars in the year 2371. Its captain was Catherine Janeway and uh, Voyager, let me read to you from my notes, one of Starfleet's first starships to include bio-neural circuitry, which means the ship was alive, kinda. It had this blue goo inside the circuits, which was like a living thing, right? And that's part of what made it so wonderful. And it had v- variable geometry warp nacelles and, lucky for a crew that was yanked away to the Delta Quadrant on its first mission after receiving heavy losses, an emergency medical hologram program. And uh, it was also the first one to have a Borg sleep chamber, a Borg regeneration chamber. But that's when you do when Seven of Nine shows up and uh, in season four because the ratings could use a boost. And uh, also an astro- astrometrics lab um, but it did not, unfortunately, have an endless supply of coffee. The Voyager is one of the wonderful detailed models that is part of the Eagle Moss collection. Mm-hmm. And if I were you, and I had a little room on my desk, or if I didn't, I would clean it up, clean it up, 
and get some get you some Eagle Moss love. Okay, good. Thank you, Eagle Moss, and thank you for this week's edition of Space Dock, which I think we called last week Dry Dock. But that's because I thought of it about eight seconds before we started talking about it. But I prefer Space Dock. You know what else I prefer? Going back a few weeks to talk to Jacqueline Coley. Now, I was on the road while we recorded this, so I must confess that um, there was one or two um, <laughs> technical glitches. Um, and something got cut out. And she mentions uh, a very uh, I, I, it's a conversation. It's not an interview. Um, uh I'm looking something up because I was going to look it up beforehand. Uh, she mentions an episode, and um, I knew what she was talking about, and I just kind of kept talking without um, responding. And uh, it was, we talk about one of the episodes, and yes, it was the episode A Matter of Honor from season two, episode eight from TNG. She was like, oh, yeah, the one where, and there was just like a moment of ESP, so I knew what she was talking about. But you'll hear it. It's about 20 minutes in. She's like, oh, the one where he goes to the Klingon ship. I'm like, yeah, 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 but it's the, it's the episode of Matter of Honor. Okay, good. Those are our programming notes. We're going to zip back in time a few weeks to Austin to talk to uh, Jacqueline. Jackie? Jackie Jacqueline? I don't know her well enough to call her Jackie. I called her Jacqueline, but I think her friends call her Jackie. She can let us know. Um, but anyway, we'll talk then, and we will see you again next week. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Engage, Engage. the official Star Trek podcast. Energize. Okay, so we are on location once again. I am in deep in the heart of Texas, in Austin, Texas, with an Austinite. Yeah. Were you born and raised in Austin? No, but I've, I got to Texas as fast as I could, okay. as they like to say. <laughs> okay, good. I'm here with Jacqueline Culley is my guest today. And Jacqueline is a reporter and interviewer and oftentimes podcaster for the Black Girl Nerds Website, network. yeah, website, podcast, and everything in between. Yeah, so Black Girl Nerds and Black Girl Nerds on Twitter. And um, my first question is, why isn't it Black Women Nerds? I mean, I don't know. I think it just sounds better as Black Girl Nerds. <laughs> like, I've always considered myself yeah. a Black Girl Nerd. I don't know. I don't know. It's got but some I, pop. It's got some pop to okay, it. Fair BGN. 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 That you know sounds I mean? like a network. Yeah, exactly. Tune in to BGN and you'll get the latest, the latest <laughs> scoop. Yeah. Cool. So we met uh, not that long ago mm -hmm. at the uh, Toronto Film Festival. We were online. Do you remember yeah, this? Yes, yes, what yes. What were we online for? Lion, I think. Or La La Land. It was either La La, La, La Land. Land. Yeah, yeah, which will probably win the Academy Award this year. Yeah, even though Moonlight should. Yeah. Uh, well, it's <laughs> apples and oranges. They're very different movies, but... Um, Moonlight is more substantial film. La La Land is is the type of movie that wins the Academy yes, Award. Yes. Um, so we were online for that, and uh, I was standing with a mutual friend, my friend uh, Wilson Morales from New York, who I've known for a hundred years. And Wilson knows everybody, so he yep. and I are schmoozing, and then he meets you, and then I think I was wearing a Star Trek T-shirt or yep, something because yep, most of my dick, as you can see today, I'm wearing a Zatanna T-shirt. Oh, I cosplayed her last year really? for uh, oh the <laughs> the Austin. Um, <laughs> Carnival. Yeah. It was a Joker theme, like, uh, you know, whatever that is, circus theme. Yeah, and so yeah. I cosplayed as her. I would like to see photographs. <laughs> okay, I can find uh, some pictures. Zaytana is one of my favorite characters. And it's goofy because, you know, I like to wear a t because this is like a hardcore. 
Yeah. Uh, it's like her in her fishnets yep. and her top hat. Yeah. And when a dude, specifically a dude of my size, walks around in the shirt, somebody's like, what the hell's wrong with that guy? No. So in Austin, you can do it. But yes. other cities, you can't necessarily yeah. do it. So. Yeah. And that's the great thing about Fantastic Fest is because yeah. you get in this bubble of just freaks letting their flag fly. <laughs> right, and then right. you go to like the regular store and you're like, oh, there's regular people yeah. here. We can't we can't just sit and talk about horror movies right, and right. just be weird. Right. Well, well, anyhow, so I forget. But I was wearing some sort of Star Trek shirt. And you're like, oh, man. Star Trek. I love Star Trek. And I'm like, well, hey, listen, I'm not, uh, I don't want to tell you, but I happen to be the host of the Star Trek podcast. And, and I like, put two and two together because I yeah. knew you were as a writer and I'd seen your stuff, you know, because again, you comment on movies and things and all that. True, but yeah. then I put two and two together. I'm like, oh, I've listened to your <laughs> podcast. But it's always like that, you know, when you put, right, yeah. they're like, oh, that's the same person. That's or, the dude. Yeah. All right. Anyhow. So uh, then we saw La La Land. Did you like La La Land? I loved it. Yeah. I, I, I felt it hit me in all the right feels. Um, it it was fun. I mean, this is, um, I did musical theater, so yeah. th that movie didn't have a lot to go to make me love it. You yeah. know what I mean? It was a quick Which win. Star Trek character do you think is most likely to love musical theater? Oh my gosh. Which Star Trek Well, some have, I mean, the Doctor from Voyager was yeah. an opera star. Yeah, yeah. And Dr. Crusher was a choreographer, Arfer. right? So. You know what, though? And I know this sounds really weird to say it, but just because he likes observing human nature, I would say Data would have like a big fan of just watching musical theater. It's sort of like the way he liked Sherlock. He right. would just like to watch that because from an outside. he would say, "Ah, yes, these musical numbers are interpretations of human thought and yes. and, and fantasy." And yep. He would dig on that. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of the same way he digged on like comedy and stuff, like just right. from an observational standpoint. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. So Data would be like a like a Stephen Sondheim fan, or like <laughs> yes. he'd be really into West Side Story. Or yes, like yes, that. yeah, that'd be my guess. I mean, if I had more time to think about, it, I could think of like a justification for every character to like it, right? Right, right, right. yeah. But um, that would be one that I would say, yeah, just from like outsider looking in. Same way with Spock, you know, you could just see him back there being like fascinating. Right, yeah, <laughs> fascinate Spock. That's what's good. I mean, and and there always is that sort of. It's not a one-to-one, -one, but there's always the Spock-like character mm -hmm. in all of the Star Treks. Yeah. There is a bit of a formula there, and that's why it works. So Spock and, and Data mm -hmm. and Seven of Nine, they, they're always, they're scientific-minded, and they're fascinated by yeah. human nature, just they're not often human, sometimes any kind of alien nature, and, and Picard is too, so... Uh, no, it's really funny yeah. that you mentioned that, too, because that's one of the things that, as a young kid, I really liked growing up as a, you know, as I like to say, nappy-headed black girl in a very predominantly white neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I definitely felt that, like, outsider within kind of thing, because yeah. I grew up in, in Alabama is where I was born, okay. and a very predominantly black neighborhood, and then my dad got shipped to Corpus Christi, which is predominantly Hispanic and yeah. Caucasian, and it was just, like, a culture shock for me in a lot of ways, like... Okay. Okay. I just, I'd, I'd either lived on military bases, which are a lot more, has a lot more diversity yeah. or just living in just straight black neighborhoods. So it was like a total shift for me. Yeah. Um, and it, it felt different, you know what I mean? Cause this is like, Exploring you know, strange yeah, new worlds to a degree, yeah, right? experiencing Mexican culture for the first yeah. time, you know, I mean, this is the land of Selena. So <laughs> I was, uh, I definitely related to a little bit of that, I think without realizing it then. But then as I go back and think about it now, I'm like, oh yeah, that's probably why, Yeah. you know, I was always. Did you see Barry at TIFF? No, I didn't. I missed that. Okay. Another reporter saw it for us. I don't know when Barry is coming out, but it's a very interesting movie about Barack Obama's first year at Columbia University. And it's all about his biracialness, right? Which mm -hmm. is something that I don't really 
didn't really think much about. I was like, yeah, yeah I'm not biracial, so it's not it's like, yeah, you had a white <laughs> mother, you black father, good yeah. for him, you know? And um, what hit me was when he was, because now I've known, ever since I've known Barack Obama, he seemed to be like the most together guy ever. I mm-hmm. mean, that's why he's a great president, I yeah. feel, because yeah. he's quite, you know, Focus. Focus. Yeah. Yes. He's, yeah. He knows. He knows what's up. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but when he was a young man, he had to get his shit together. You know, as many <laughs> of us do. And yeah. I don't know to what extent the movie is true. I mean, you never know. But anyway, the point I'm making is that he had a lot of time, a lot of trouble as a young lad figuring out where he was in the world because mm. he was born in a you know in a white community. Then he, of course he went to Indonesia, and when he went to Colombia, he was trying to fit in with the black community there, which is Columbia University's right near Harlem. Mm-hmm. But all of his classmates and his girlfriend at the time was white and he was torn between two worlds and yeah. I'm watching this very good and very serious movie about a very important person in our lives in American history and world history and the Star Trek fan in me goes oh my god this is reminding me a lot of Spock mm-hmm. and I'm kind of like I don't know how, uh, I gotta be careful who I say that to <laughs> no because you know? I don't want to offend people no that's <laughs> a very identifiable thing from my friends that are um, biracial like so this is like <laughs> I feel like we're giving my like life story here yeah no but, this um, is Barbara Walters yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, my parents got divorced I had two African American parents um, and then my mother married a white man uh-huh. and so my second half of my adolescence, that was part of that shift. So my parents got divorced and I went from, you know, I would say, you know, lower, lower class to middle, lower middle class to a totally different level, you know, upper, upper middle class to, I would say even higher. Like it's shifted. My, my mom's, uh, my stepfather made a very good living. Let's just put it that way. And so, you know, I'm, we live in a, a community where there's a country club and like yeah. there's not that's not something I was exposed to as a kid um, again so that also goes into uh, so a little those... bit of a from two worlds yeah. type of thing and so I guess this is leading to when you were growing up you discovered Star Trek and yeah. you identified with it from 15 different angles yeah yeah it was and that it was specifically next generation for you I mean which I don't know how old you are but you seem pretty young <laughs> you were probably watching next generation when it was still in reruns right um yeah but I mean I'm third I'm gonna be 35 next year so okay. I'm not that young You're not that young, young. But, uh, so it started when when it started I wasn't watching it live yeah. so it was when it was in syndication and I think what is it maybe season four or five is when deep space nine came out like it was while it was right. going on yeah. So around that time is when I started watching it, and I picked it up about season two, and then I slowly like filtered everything back in because this is before you could go on the internet and right, just right, download right. everything. Yeah. But yeah, VHS I think, tapes. Yeah. My God, it's so funny you mentioned that. <laughs> I remember having a fight with my mom in the. It's like used borders this place called Hastings in Corpus Christi, which was like used books, used but books, yeah. and, and but movies. fairly corporate, so it wasn't yeah. like some great used bookstore with yeah. a cat running around. Yes. It was still like a like in a strip mall. Yeah, there was a chain of them. Yeah. And I remember trying to convince her to buy uh, The Next Generation Season 3 on VHS. And she was just looking at me like, no, we're not <laughs> buying that. We're going school clothes shopping. <laughs> you can put that piece of crap down. Oh. And uh, yeah, that was uh, back when they still had the like, big yeah, VHS. Yeah, because that was a big commitment, not only just in price, but like in space. Yes. Like if you lived in a small home, you, like where are you going to put that damn thing? Yeah. It's like like five shoeboxes next to one another, you know? It's so funny. I just recently, like, you know, took all my VHS and, like, yeah. donated it to Goodwill. And it was, like, a moment for yeah. me. Because I've replaced a lot of them on DVD or digitally. Yeah. 
but it was like no. I have a collection. I gave mine a Viking funeral. Oh, you I did? I just lit it all on fire and said, goodbye. "Really?" No, <laughs> I sold it. Well, I live in New York, so space is at a premium. So mm-hmm. my wife at some point said, "We don't need these." It was mostly CDs. Okay. Right, and I had I had um, taken a great deal of time. It took a long time, months, maybe a year, to get all my CDs um, burned onto a hard drive. And then I cloned the hard drive, and then I cloned the clone. Mm. And we're talking years, decades worth of CD collecting. You know, when I was in college, I was really into music, and I always have been. All sorts of, I'm into weird music. Um, I had about a dozen different Indonesian gamelan discs. So I was wow. really into that for a while. Yeah, you can't but, replace that on Amazon. <laughs> so, then, um, so I digital, digitized it all, and then like we got a guy. I was going to sell them, and like nobody wanted to buy them. I'm putting them on Half.com, and uh-huh. like, nobody wants my crap. And then if they do one, I got to get it to the mailbox. Mm. It's a pain in the butt. So I hired a guy and came, took all my CDs, gave me $1,000 cash, and that was it. Yeah. And the amount of money I put into it over the years, but... It had to be done. Yeah, it had, it had to, to be, be done. done. And I, mine was even worse because I just gave it away <laughs> because I felt like if I tried to sell it, I wouldn't part with certain oh, movies. Because there yeah. was like, I had like, this is again showing my age. I had the mm. Sopranos, like all four, five seasons. Half of them were on VHS and half right. of them were on DVD <laughs> and like stuff like that. You just don't yeah. need anymore. No, no, like you really don't. HBO Go ended half of my right, right, and collection. all the, all that music that I gave away. I'd say eighty five percent of it is on Spotify. Oh, it is. So you don't really need it that much. So we're talking though about your yeah. introduction to, to Star Trek TNG and how it spoke to you and how it helped you develop into the person that yeah. you are today. I mean, I would say that you know what makes me now you know keeping it black and nerdy as I like to say yeah. it started with Star Trek because it was the first sci-fi show that I felt not only had a diverse cast but there wasn't this tokenism that you see sometimes where right. it's just like okay we have this one character that's going to fulfill this one role. I mean. Jordy LaForge being not only who he was, but that he was one of the smartest people on the ship. Yeah. And the fact that he was so um, in charge of a very huge aspect of how the ship ran. And then also having Worf, who was like, right. also showed a different aspect of things. You know yeah. what I mean? And then Guinan. Like, I started watching oh, yeah. when all three of them were really kind of in their heyday. You know, people were going to 10 forward a lot. And yeah. that was really the first episodes that I watched. And I will admit, you know, Whoopi Goldberg was the thing. I was like flipping through channels, you know, probably at 12 or 13. And I was like, oh, Whoopi Goldberg's on this yeah, sci fi kind of show. Deal. Yeah, yeah, let's watch this, this yeah. you know. Um, cause Which my, is exactly why she took the role, because yes. she was so in love with Michelle yeah. Nichols and with Star Trek and yes. sci fi. And she wanted to. To, you know, she won the Oscar, yes. and, and the world said to her, "You just won the Oscar. You're America's favorite comedian. You're the first black woman to win the Oscar since 1939. Mm-hmm. He, you have a blank check. What do you want to do?" She's like, "I want to be on Star, Star Trek." Trek. Yes. And of course, the producers thought she was joking. No, but- <laughs> and then she goes. It's sort of like that same thing where people. I feel like Star Trek nerds sometimes don't like broadcast it because it's not something to broadcast as much as Star Wars nerds do. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But we're deep we're deep in the love and like you know i don't know what i would do just to have like an extra role on this right. new discovery like like who do i have to like <laughs> like marry to make myself yeah. on there but yeah no i and so that's what started it and it was great to see those characters like i loved how Guinan was so mysterious in the series yeah. like finding out her slow backstory the episode with her and q like i used to watch that one on repeat it was one of the first things i recorded off of tv was like her you know with this like weird grab and she's like I'm gonna hurt you and I was like what does that mean um yeah it it really sort of yeah she was very mysterious and and they and when they eventually teased out Mm -hmm. 
more about her character and then you know in Time's Arrow and then yeah. even the movies I mean it was um, in, in Generations anyhow it, it, it was really more than just the bartender they made yeah. her a cool cool character one thing that you know when I was a kid watching um, my I joke about this a lot my parents were really not into Star Trek my mother mocked me incessantly and my uh, older sister uh, referred to it as Star Trek you know which was funny um but at one point along the way, my father saw me watching Next Generation and saw LeVar Burton mm. and was like, oh, that's the kid from Roots. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this is a real show. Like, that, that's a great actor. <laughs> and, like, he's important. Yeah. And because nobody else in the cast at that mm -hmm. time was anybody. Except, yeah. I mean, Patrick Stewart was if you were a British uh, Shakespearean. The, yeah, thespian. Right. But... Or if you recognized him from I, Claudius, which you may not because he mm. wore a wig in that. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I had read like that he wore that wig to his first audition right. or whatever, right? right? right and they right. were like, you know, yeah, forget it. the wig, yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> and, um, and what's funny is that I had seen I, Claudius uh, and then I didn't put the two together until years later. I'm like, oh my God, that's Captain Picard. So it was like, oh, LeVar Burton was kind of the biggest star in a mm -hmm. way. I mean, uh, uh, and, and then... Um, uh, so that sort of legitimized the show a little yeah. bit to my folks. The other thing that's interesting is uh, Worf, you mentioned, um, because uh, Klingons in the original series were were played by white guys. Mm -hmm. Well, one was Syrian immigrants, so but but not African Americans. Yeah. And then on uh, some of the other great Klingons, mm -hmm. Gowron, Martok, are yeah. played by white men. Yeah. Um, so and they they look. You know their skin tone looks the same on the show, uh -huh. so it's not like one must be black to be a, a Klingon. So you don't. Some may, some may not associate Klingons with blackness. Where does that work with you? Because I, you know, I didn't know Michael Dorn was black until the first time I saw him out of makeup. <laughs> I never thought about it. You know. You know, and and that's kind of what I liked about it too. Yeah. Like um, I went and looked him up like immediately. Right. Like I remember <laughs> this was back when we had AOL. I had to go to my friend's house. <laughs> I'm like, I need to see if this guy's really black. Like, right, <laughs> I okay. want to make sure, you know? Yeah. Um, there was parts of me that enjoyed it and didn't like it. So I forget the episode, the one where they do the switch out. It seemed like all of the Klingons were black, you know what I mean? And right. it had that feel to it. And so in those episodes, I felt I didn't like it as much, if I, that that had something to say with it. I liked it better when they didn't feel like they had one race described to the Klingons. Yeah, and that yeah. episode was the one where I was kind of like, I really don't like that it feels like all the Klingons. Because they were menacing in a way? Um, they were meant to be... I just didn't... I, don't, I guess at the time, it sort of made it like, okay, these guys are the enemy, and right. they have these preconceived notions about things, and they're yeah. not able to assimilate. And I didn't really like it as much as I liked it when they just seemed to be more about the race of Klingons and less right. about their skin tone. Like right, they right, were, sure. I liked that better. And it's really funny, I picked up TNG as second season. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of glad that I did because I went back and watched the first season. I know where you're going Yeah, with and like there's so many instances in the first season where I'm like, okay, y'all need to, right. to well, get it together. Well, that one particular episode yeah, yeah, which yeah. has been disavowed uh, by pretty much everyone everybody, in the show. Yeah. Um, and, it, the, the episode is called um, um, Mark of Honor, Mask, something of honor. Yeah, it's when it's when Tasha Yar is basically. Uh, yeah, like we're gonna kidnap the white woman. Yeah, it's really rough. <laughs> I it's, mean, like, let's talk about it. That's like the basic plot of the old The Birth of a Nation. <laughs> like, be careful. Yeah, no, because... it, it's it's rough, and I don't know how it happened. And I talked about this with. Uh, it came up when Dave Schilling was on the show. Also, and it was like, who was anybody awake? at the switch that week to say why are we doing this but it it was um 
it was an error. And uh, yeah, luckily you missed it and didn't yeah. went straight to Because I don't know if I would have watched it all the way through after yeah. that. Because maybe not. Again, I was watching it at what, 13, 14. And I yeah. wasn't maybe as like, as I like to say, woke about things. But right. it would have still, I think, struck well, me. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I'm going to, let's do a thought experiment here. I would like to think Gene Roddenberry was a, he was very involved in season one. He, mm-hmm. he came from a place of utopian ideals. Mm-hmm. And I think he was saying, in the future, when there is no more racism, sexism, prejudice of any kind, mm-hmm. one could present a planet of people who look a certain way and act a certain way and not necessarily make racial connections that are sort of uh, bigoted connections of today. Okay. But his show was coming out in 1987. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's know, keep it real. It doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. So it's diffi- it, was, uh, it was a mistake. It was yeah. definitely a mistake. But... Um, uh, so, so it was, it was, it was the three. It was Whoopi Goldberg and Lavar yeah. and and Michael Dorn. And then and you mentioned uh, Lavar because again, I was too young to see Roots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, come out, and so I saw that later. And so I only associated him with the Reading Rainbow. So <laughs> okay. to yeah. see him after imagining him as Jordy and yeah. the the cool guy from the Reading Rainbow, yeah. and then to go back and watch Roots, it was very different. Right. As like, you like know, it's my friendly Reading Rainbow. Yes, and he's getting beaten right. and just like <laughs> brutalized in this. Sli- and um, we had him on the podcast not too long ago. Oh, awesome. And yeah. uh, you know, everyone on is just fangirling because I sure. mean, again, he was. He was the first, you know, again, black nerd, you know, there's a lot of people in black culture that, you know, still to this day don't always look as intelligent, like look at intelligence with a, a positive light. Like, what are you trying to do and what are you trying to be? And right. he showed that it was okay to be a smart black nerd. I'm not saying everyone's like that, but right, there are people right. who still to this day, like, feel like, you know, again, what is the Chris Rock jokes? Like, you got your masters, you, you're, you're my master now. There's like, there's a part of the black population that um, still feels that way, yeah, you know? Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, that's that, and, and, and you can't overstate the importance of him at that time. Yeah. I mean, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, Being somebody where it was like, okay, yeah. it's cool to be, you know, you know? And I don't think there was ever a time where his race was ever mentioned. Nope. And that was the best part about yeah. it. Like, yeah. And, and like, not even like in a historical context, like, um, Uhura, they don't really mention it either, except for, <laughs> you tell me, uh, the episode, the Savage Curtain, where oh. Abraham Lincoln shows up. Oh yeah. And it's a little rough. I mean, remember it's 1968, 69, <laughs> but, and it's meant to be positive, but yeah. it's like, Abraham Lincoln refers to her as a charming negress. Yes, and negress. I do remember that. Yeah. I was like, I remember it. Well, I was, I was thinking to myself, I was like, what term did he use towards her? Because that's what everyone remembers now. It's yeah, like, was, okay. and, and it's, you know, it's, listen, original series was so progressive for its time, but it was still the 60s. There was a lot yeah. of sexism in that show. And well, I was we just going to ask time, you about but, that too, because I feel, you know, Gene had like a very utopian view about race yeah. and I would say countries coming together, but there's a lot of the things that he felt about gender and uh, sexuality that I felt he was also a little like, you know, yeah. of, of his time in a he lot of ways. He was of his time. And I think he was a man who was um, enjoying the sexual revolution as it benefited him, <laughs> you know? I don't think he was enjoying it as like a liberate your mind. Yeah. It was more of a like, oh wow, I, there's a lot of this stuff I can get away with yeah. right now. And he, uh, you know, had had his dalliances. Um, 
But, you know, it was the show. It was TV. It was, you know, Get Sexy Dames on TV. Yeah. Especially if you want to make a weirdo science fiction show. So the outfits were the outfits. Yeah. I mean, the outfits are great. I mean, look, you go to conventions now, and, and women love to wear the outfits. Men I, like to wear the women's I'm outfits. I'm not going to hate know? on it. You know, I, was, I never did the green girl, you know, costume, right. but... Right. I don't know. I've done some other things. You know what I mean? Like I, we were talking about my Zatanna, yeah. you know, cosplay is not exactly something I would wear to church. <laughs> but the mini skirts are the mini skirts. And, um, you know, I, I, I do compare Star Trek conventions to other conventions that I go to. And I think there is more of a dude bro attitude at regular comic cons but mm. at star trek conventions, it's different. If a woman of larger size is going to dress like Uhura. There is a, no one who is going to tisk or make a face. It no. is bravo all the way around, yeah. which is uh, which is something that uh, I think is notable and commendable. You know, no, and I will feel that there is um, there's a lot of gatekeeping sometime in nerdism. You oh, know yeah. what you feel like? Um, oh, do you know this? Do you know that? You yeah. know what I mean? I don't feel that with my my Trekkie friends at yeah. all. Like I tell people, it's like, look, I'm not an original series girl. Like yeah. I've watched what I consider the the big episodes, you know, Arena, Trouble with Tribbles, but I have not watched the whole original series all the way through, honestly, because I tried and I just got so like, okay, dude, this is not. But I had a, a friend of mine who is like everything, Voyager, yeah. and like he's watched every single episode and he told me, he was like, you know, I love every aspect of this, but he even said to me, he's like, but here, watch these 10 episodes, make sure you understand the canon, but don't feel like you need to go back to be right. a part of us. Because that's what he felt when I was telling him my struggles through watching <laughs> it. He's like, don't feel like you have to watch this to be a fan. Yeah. He's like, just enjoy what you enjoy and, right. and, and stay happy with that. And I think that's not necessarily something I would hear from my comic book friends <laughs> all no, the time. No, it's like if you, you, you say you like Green Lantern, you have to, even, yes. you have to read the Kyle Rayner stuff too. <laughs> Like how rain blows is boring. No, you must read it all. Yeah, so. and yeah, it, I like that. Um, and again, uh, I hate that aspect of nerddom sometimes is the gatekeeping. I was even talking to yeah. a friend of mine that there's some of that. You know, you talk about Comic Con, and I was telling her that like, okay, obviously I report on 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 geek and entertainment now. I'm never gonna stop going to Comic Con yeah. unless I stop doing this job. But there's a part of me that doesn't enjoy that convention anymore in a lot yeah. of ways. In, in a San lot Diego, of it, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that, that convention and that aspect of geek culture became very mainstream in the last, really, 10 years. Yeah. I mean, I time it to the release of The Dark Knight and Iron Man. That was both yeah. mm -hmm. 2007, right? Yeah, yeah. Iron, or... Iron Man was 2007, Dark Knight was 2008, I think. Um, well, you know, that, so we're talking <laughs> yeah. about a decade ago, uh -huh. and that's when things really blew up, and then the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and now... You know um, all that the the current DC films and um, <laughs> For what they are. <laughs> yeah, they're not. There's some problems there, but uh, yeah, it it is a little bit of um, you know there there used to be the cliche of you know the comic book store clerk would would kind of frown at you if you didn't know mm -hmm. your stuff. And I think that smart comic book stores don't hire those people anymore. No, no. You know, I rarely see that at a comic book store now because. They know, hey, you oh, know, no. if somebody doesn't feel good here, they're going to buy it on yeah. Comixology. So. Exactly. They, they have to be yeah. nicer because the internet has <laughs> right. sort of like, I would right. say, like, you know, but it leveled so, the playing field. But, that, but, that, um, but that's at the shops. The, the, the cliche about other fans, though, I think does exist in comics mm -hmm. and certain other fandoms. But I don't see it much with Trek as a guy who goes to a lot of conventions. It's always like, I feel like when you meet somebody who doesn't know as much 
some fans look at it as, well, here's an opportunity yeah. to get somebody into it. Like, you'll see a fan who, who was like, you know, oh, I haven't watched Deep Space Nine yet yeah. because it seems too big. And I know it's all, a lot of it is, is a, you know, a continuation and I don't know where to start. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, here's where you have to look forward yes. to. You know, so that, I, that's very much true because I still have a friend of mine. Because again, confession, um, I've maybe watched two episodes of Enterprise. Maybe yeah. you know, I think it was a Scott Bakula thing. I will just always think of him as Quantum Leap. So I just <laughs> I don't want to necessarily watch him in anything else. Yeah. And it just it just I like having him as that. Okay, but um, he's yeah. still trying to convince me. <laughs> Enterprise is re, is is good. Enter, Enterprise is I will say that of of the series is. They're all brilliant. They're all wonderful. I love them all. But that is the one that, if there was a boat and I could only fit four of the seasons <laughs> yeah, on, yeah, you're I, kicking that one I, out. I, I mean, yeah. I would, and that's just that's just the reality. But there are so many great things about Enterprise, and uh, there's a great black character. Yes, exactly. That's what he says, and he, it, uh, he, he he's cool because he's the first guy to have been born in space. Yes. yes. So that's kind of his thing, and he's a cool pilot, and his parents are interesting, and. Uh, he, he isn't in it that much, but but he's a great kind of uh, member of the crew, and uh, it get, and the thing of the, the of course the tragedy of Enterprise is that it gets better as it get, gets going, and then that's the problem too is yeah. like the episodes again. Yeah. Um, I mean we're we're older now, right? So my yeah. time is limited. I mean I'm like <laughs> I'm like literally right now we're at Fantastic Fest yeah. and I got to go to work this week, and then I'm yeah. like okay I've got to find time next weekend to watch Luke Cage or they're gonna revoke my Black Girl Nerd card. <laughs> like if I don't if I don't like marathon this through the weekend, right, right. Yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna be able to participate in the fandom. Yeah, no, that's, so that is true. Um, it's hard for me to sometimes you know sit down to watch stuff that I maybe missed the first time around. You know what yeah. I mean? But that's that why you know that you're not gonna be that into but I will say there there is a lot of good stuff in Enterprise yeah. but yeah I haven't watched Stranger Things yet oh. I know there's a, I love Star Wars the Star Wars Rebels show is supposedly really oh, good okay. but I haven't seen it eh, it's cartoon I'm again you know we get Cartoons a little for older you except got... for Star Trek the animated series that's a wonderful show <laughs> <laughs> you get a little older you have competing things going on right mm-hmm. it's not like um, as I like to tell people it's like um, friends of mine who knew me in high school are always very surprised when they like get on my Twitter and and, um, like uh, Facebook now because they're like you're into all these things that we didn't know about and I'm like oh. well it's not that I didn't have these interests I just didn't broadcast it at the right. time because <laughs> I kind of wanted to be asked out on dates and I was a girl and I will admit that you know I'm a little ashamed to admit it now but yeah I wasn't gonna tell a guy at the time back then it would I mean it's true I mean now the kids today don't know how good they have it that yeah. they can say oh I want to go see Doctor Strange the minute it opens when, when, you know, in high school, uh, that would be a dating uh, suicide, yeah. right? I mean, it would be, there was some, I mean, I don't know. It wasn't like total social ostracism, but where I, when I grew up, uh, comics were not cool. Yeah. They were not cool. They were for weirdos. And Star Trek was, um, certainly the original series was incredibly not cool. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and the movies weren't, but I would still go opening night. And the next generation was not cool until the episode Conspiracy. Okay. Which is the one where the neural parasites and they blow the guy's head oh, up. Yeah, yeah. Let's think it's season one. Uh, that was the first one where some of the, like, the kind of, the, I don't want to call them the jocks or the, um, you know, but yeah, let's call them the jocks. They were like, 
did you see that show? They blew up a guy's brain on TV. I was like, well, yeah, all right. So this guy likes it. So I think the movies had a, is when I started feeling the shift. Like when they started doing, um, you know, like First Contact. I remember people like talking yeah. about that in a positive way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like friends of mine. You know? Yeah. Well, First Contact was so great. Yes. I mean, you can't, and you don't really have to know anything about yes. the film. I mean, about these characters. You, yeah. You go, hey, Captain Picard's the guy in charge, and he's great and they're all these and they're going back in time and yeah, let's yeah. have fun but they're not going back in time they're going back in time but they're still going to our future yeah. that's why it's such a great idea how come yeah. nobody thought to do that before so it's uh it's pretty cool and um and the inception like like yeah. showing sort of like this is where it came from i just loved that yeah, like yeah. that whole aspect of it and and one of the best black characters in star trek oh yeah alfie, alfie woodard she's blow up the woodard. damn ship for yeah, like, i mean just seriously love like oh, i love it's her it's so great she's a total outsider she doesn't know anything about the enterprise <laughs> and she's right oh I my mean, god it takes an outsider to say that uh, i love her and you know what she's she's deep in marvel now because she's gonna be in um she was uh, she was in the uh, what was it Civil War yeah, yeah. Um, and she they said that she might be doing something with the new Black Panther movie as well because oh. she was in the Black Panther series that nobody saw that was on BET no yeah yeah okay. yeah no um, the guy from the Boondocks uh, one of the co creators of that did it and it was okay. like a it was like a four season I don't know it was a pretty small series yeah. but she's a great yeah. actress yeah she made a movie in the nineties that that very few people saw called Passion Fish. Okay. And it was her, and it was Mary McDonnell, who you might remember as uh, President Laura Roslin from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, okay. And it was set in Louisiana, and it is a great, great independent film about um, uh, two women. Uh, and Mary McDonnell is a um, soap opera star in New York, mm -hmm. and uh, she's you know rich kind of snob, and she was originally from the South. Um, and the first scene is she's waking up in a hospital bed. She has no idea where she is, and she was in a car accident, doesn't remember. And she's been paralyzed from the waist down. So she goes back home to where she grew up, because she owns a house there, it's her parents' old house. And um, eh, she becomes an alcoholic, she's a mess, and she hires a series of um, nurses to take care of her. And one by one they quit, because she's such a mean yeah. person, because she's so miserable about her lot in life. And the newest nurse to come in is played by Alfre Woodard. And, uh, but she won't quit. <laughs> and uh, finally, Mary McDonald's like, well, I'm going to fire you because you're mean. She's like, you can't fire me. Please don't fire me. I was like, if I don't keep this job, it's like, I'm not quitting because I like you. But it's like, if I don't keep this job, I'm done. Like, yeah. She's had a rough life. And so when they realize they're both desperate, they become the best of friends. Oh. And it's a great movie. It has nothing to do with, with Star Trek. Other I than that, she's in it and Battlestar Galactica gals in it. But yeah. it's called Fashion Fish. It's probably on I gotta Netflix somewhere. I got to check that out. Yeah. I didn't know that at all. I it's love really when good. people tell me about, because I've become into independent film. Yeah. I think I now come to realize I've always liked independent film, but now yeah. I'm much more about like, no, I want to see this movie before everyone starts talking about it kind of things. I want yeah. to see it on the festival circuit. I want to know about these up and coming directors yeah. um, because I feel like it's driving a lot of the best filmmaking that's happening right now. Like, oh yeah, I just and, did, then, and then oftentimes they get plucked and they start doing the mainstream. nerdy mainstream Stuff that yeah. we like, you, you know. know uh, Colin Trevorrow goes. Uh, does, not the best example, but hey, he's doing. Look, well, yeah. Actually, Ava talked about that. You know, the director yeah. of Selma, because she yeah. actually made a comparison because they were in the same class at Sundance, yeah. and they had that dinner where they basically Ava DuVernay, yeah, DuVernay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they take um, they take them there, 
And she was excited for like, I think they gave her like four or five million dollars to do Selma. Yeah. And he was getting ready to do Jurassic World. Yeah, he, and made she a, <laughs> he made a small movie called um, uh, Safety Not Safety Not Guaranteed. Yes. Uh, yeah. With um, the gal that I love. Um, well, she's funny. Uh, her name is um, uh, Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, okay. She's yeah. In it. And, and so yeah, he was he made a tiny little movie and then he made Jurassic World with the budget of seven yes, zillion dollars. Yes. And she was saying, like, they kind of started their career as far as directors yeah. at the same time, and she commented on that's honestly the difference sometimes of being a female director and yeah. being a male director, because she just got the biggest budget of a black woman ever at a hundred million dollars for a wrinkle in time. Yeah, yeah. And just think about that for a second. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it just it says something. But yeah, I love that it's driving good movies. Yeah. Well, well, one of the one of the that was kind of a is Trevor O in a way got railroaded because it, the thing is his first movie wasn't that great and his and I didn't think Jurassic World was that great either. So he was held up of like as like Hollywood is a bit of an old boys network because so many of the producers that gave him the money to make uh, Jurassic World, including Steven Spielberg, yeah. said, and <clears throat> this is the type of thing that's said in press all the time that says, oh, what a nice story. They said, oh, he reminds me of me when I, when he, when I was his <laughs> age. And that's a heartwarming thing, but it's like, and that's why no black women, women are getting, or women in general, yes, women in general are getting yeah. uh, blockbuster films because you need to crack that cycle. Yeah. Because if it, Steven Spielberg's going to be reminded of yeah. Trevor, and that's cool, well, you know. Well, you also got to look, too, at, like, the uh, mentorship. You know, right. like, Steven Spielberg had a huge effect on J.J. Abrams, like, gave him one of his first jobs. And so, like, you got to talk about that, right? So, oh, yeah. So oh, now, no, the Spielberg-Abrams connection. And, yeah, they look alike. Yeah. They're from very similar backgrounds. I have a theory about that, by the way. You, <laughs> you think they're the same person? No, and I'm pro. I'm I'm ultimately pro J.J. Abrams, but I have a nuanced opinion of him. You know, okay. I feel like he's done many great things including the casting of the new films is dynamite. I yeah. think ultimately the, the reboot films are, are a plus, but I feel like a guy like Spielberg keeps Abrams around as his like young Padawan oh. is because he is a very similar but less talented version of himself. So Spielberg can be like, this is my junior and compare us and I'm better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say... a controversial you're, statement? I don't think it's a controversial statement, but damn, you're going hard for Abrams, man. <laughs> no, I like him. I, I like, the shot's fired. Well, I mean, look, look at Super 8. Super 8 is just like, I want to be Steven Spielberg, and I can't do it. Yeah. You know? I mean, Super 8 is a flawed movie. The second Star Trek movie is, is flawed, although not yeah. horrible. The first yeah. one's terrific. I was just going to say, how and do you of, feel as a... I meant to ask you this, and I don't mean to yeah. interrupt you, but because um, I have a, a Star Trek friend of mine who despises the Ahura Spock love Story. You know what? They're both so beautiful that I don't mind. You don't? I don't mind. It, 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 and it does have its roots in um, in canon. They're always, if you look back at, at the man trap, uh, that she's a little bit flirty with him. And then they kind of move that to more make Nurse Chapel more flirty with mm -hmm. him. But uh, I don't mind it at all. I mean, because they're both so lovely to look at on a big screen and when they're smooching it gets, makes my heart a flutter so. I mean I'm not gonna lie to you obviously um, I loved it yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not, really um, it's, I'm it's not gonna lie bad. I liked it but I did hear from a lot of my friends it's not even that they disliked you know the characters they just felt it wasn't necessary they didn't understand it for motivations me personally um, I just I, I enjoyed watching it I enjoyed seeing Ahura have a relationship with anyone honestly right, the right. fact that it was Spock just added a different dynamic they needed to, to flesh her out more because yeah. so much of her at least on the show was just like her her representation of who she was That's was the character exactly that tokenism then, thing again. a little yeah, bit yeah. yeah and and but not to dis, not in any way downplay how radical it was for no, 66 yes. yeah. and then in the later in the films like the Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock she is given more to do 
But I think one great thing about the um, the new films, the Spock horror romance, is the way it plays off of Kirk. Yeah. Because Kirk gets the girl. Yeah. And he made a play for her at the bar. Yeah. Right. And then they became good friends. And if you read the comics also, the tie-in comics, there's more about how Uhura and he kind of have a special... Like, on the bridge, she's very respectful. He's the captain. But, like, during off hours, she's a little bit like... You Go know, away. A little bit like, yeah, I know you, buddy. I've known you for a long time. Really? And, and, I haven't read those. You know, i got to read those They're now. kind of fun. They're pretty fun. So I... And then, of course... And this is one of the best scenes in Star Trek Into Darkness, the, the, the film that keeps me up at nights because it is not so great. Uh, it's the moment when they're going on to, to the Klingon homeworld and... Ohura and Spock start getting in a fight. Uh, yes. And he's like, oh, guys, are we doing Can this right now? Can we do this right now? And honestly, that is a very, like, you, you're you married and you've I've been in a relationship. That's a very real thing because you don't care. The fight just sometimes needs to happen. Right, right. And we're not going to care where it's at. Supermarket. Like, no, we're know. doing this now. Yeah. You know, right, <laughs> here in the, right here in the produce aisle. Yeah, because you know? uh, otherwise we're not going to talk about it because right. we'll go home and then you'll go do something and I'll right. go do something. Right, we're going right. to talk about this now. Uh, no, so that was, that was a funny bit. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, some people blew their tops. Because in the in the original series, um, Spock was always of two worlds, but yeah. it took a long time for that human side of him to become sort of an important plot point. It was always like a like it wasn't until later that you realize that all Vulcans are constantly at war with their emotions. Yeah. But Spock is doubly so because he's half human. And that doesn't really come out so much in season one of the original series. That yeah. sort of came out later, later in the films and certainly in the books. And and then as we reflect on it and then as you hear Leonard Nimoy speak about it over the years. So it kind of jumped to that on this. But, you know, hey, listen, Sarek had a... Had a uh, a uh, human wife. Why yeah. wouldn't Spock want to have a human wife? And, you know? and I think it, you know, it says a lot too of how I do like that they played up more about his emotions because you're right, it was there, but it was not as talked about in yeah. the earlier stuff. And I'm not gonna lie, one of my favorite scenes is from the first one, 2009, yeah. when Ohora is talking to him immediately after um, they've blown up Vulcan, yeah. and like there's just that non-scene where he's just like, I want everyone to keep, you know, performing admirably, yeah. and they have this just this moment where she's just like, oh. Sweetie, you know, and uh, yeah, I just I love that. What do you need? Yeah, and and I just love that scene. Again, to me, it hits me in the feels every time. I get a little. And she is not an unattractive woman. Let's let's, let's talk about it and make it a good living off of being, you know, the hot nerd girl in movies. I mean, she's doing that. She's corner of the market. Guardians of the Galaxy, Avatar. Don't forget also. Yeah, yeah. If they ever make those movies, I I feel like it's a dream now that those movies are going to come back. I mean, he says he's gonna, but. I don't know. Not saying I'm particularly like holding myself up at night. And also, I, I feel like Avatar was fine, but it's like I don't need Chapter Two. Yeah. To, Avatar as its own thing is like I'm kind of done, you know. But I mean. But it was good. It made too much money, though. That's the it thing. It did. It did. It was weird because Avatar was the biggest money maker of all time, right? I think so. For maybe English language, I think there may be like a a, a Chinese or Japanese language movie that made it made more, but maybe English language. I don't know. Well, uh, Avatar was such a cultural phenomenon and is not really talked about much Mm -hmm. anymore. Like you go to Comic Con. Good luck finding someone cosplaying as a Navi, yeah, or or Jake Sully. Yeah. You know, or or whatever character, what was the name that Sigourney Weaver played, the character? Oh, Colonel God. so-and-so. So, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, really yeah. Know. I just called him Colonel Badass. Right. <laughs> so the movie was weird. I, I think part of um, Avatar's appeal really was just, they had sold, they marketed the, 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 theat- the theater-going experience, the 3D, 
and the computer-generated um, motion capture so well. They had sold this is the biggest thing since, like, it's like if you go see Avatar, you're going to know what your great-grandfather felt when uh, he saw um, Wizard of Oz. Uh-huh. Like, it's going to be that much of an, oh, my God, everything has changed. Mm-hmm. Which, in retrospect, I don't think that was true. But they sold it that way. To yeah. the point that people that would never go see a weirdo movie about mm-hmm. a giant Leonoptrix and some blue weirdo with a tail flopping around uh, on another planet. But uh, but it wasn't because... So I don't know. I, I mean, listen, if, if Avatar 2 was opening next week, I'd sure as hell go. I mean, who's not, right? But uh, it's not like... Uh, the number one thing, but yeah, so yeah, she really has. Uh, that's her. That's her beat, you know. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play. It. Welcome back to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast with your host, Jordan Hoffman. You are, after all, irrational. Are there any closing thoughts on Next Generation? No, I mean, did we, like... Did we touch... I feel like we were all over the place. I know, that's the we way, really did. That's the way I like to do conversations No, and this is sometimes. the thing, though, too. Again, getting film geeks together, yeah. I feel like you'll go everywhere. But yeah, no, I really... Um, TNG was just a special time, man. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people would say it's one of their favorites, but I still, I I loved Deep Space Nine. And I actually liked the later seasons of Voyager where, you know, Seven of Nine became much more in the series. And so, yeah, it's been a great thing. Um, I I like other stuff too, but I will admit that Star Trek is one of those ones that even with things like, you know, Into Darkness, where I'm slightly disappointed, (laughs) it's still better. The biggest tragedy... God, not enough people saw Star Trek Beyond because I flipping loved it. Well, I don't know how you felt about no, it, I loved but it too. I loved it. I thought it, and it was I'm just so good. I thought, I mean, I, I, I really loved it to pieces. I did the best I could. I saw it a few times. Um, well, I mean, look, I, the movie didn't lose money. No, but um, it wasn't. And it, but it was not the hit it deserved to be. And what I think is going to happen is in X amount of months, it's going to show up on VOD. It's going to show up on Netflix, on HBO Go, and all these things. And people are going to realize. Oh, this was great. Oh, this was that action movie for the summer that we wanted to right, see right. instead of being disappointed by, you know, the Suicide Snow White Squad. Prequel. Yeah, Suicide Squad, Snow White prequel. Uh, was it a prequel or a sequel? Nice. I don't even know. It, it was a prequel. Yeah, it was a, a prequel, prequel to a movie yeah. nobody liked in the first place. I mean, you know what's really... But it made money, and so that's why they made another. Yeah. Same thing with Alice in Wonderland. That's why they made another. Right. Um, Warcraft. I, did you see Warcraft? You're a gamer. Did, you, were, did <laughs> okay. Warcraft kill you? So funny. I actually wrote... I wrote an article about Warcraft because yeah, I didn't see I didn't um, I didn't report on it, but I did see it. Yeah. And I'm not a big Warcraft fan, but they're going to have more of those because I don't know if you saw the numbers from China oh, on that God. movie, yeah, yeah. but it like dominated and yeah. it talks about I wrote an article talking about how the foreign box office drives way more of cinema now yeah. than people realize that people yeah. are not only marketing towards it but catering towards it people complained about you know bay in the last transformers movie yeah. there's a reason why i did it you know yeah well i mean it, it is very interesting and, and there are a lot of articles to read and there's a lot of rumor and hearsay but um w- one could surmise that you know the, the the great moment in star trek beyond when sulu sees his husband yeah. and they kind of cuddle embrace they took put their arms around each other they did shoot a version where they did a, a very quick kiss, and that ain't gonna fly in China. So <laughs> they, take it uh, out. they 
took it out and um, but maybe but there I don't know I don't know for certain maybe they just artistically thought it looked better the other way I oh, mean how did you feel about that I'm sorry I feel like we're just the, the gay thing I thought it was terrific I didn't too and I was yeah. so like kind of sad yeah. that you know that you know and I read what George had to say about why he didn't like it yeah but he walked it back a little bit down uh, the but line, you know but. I, I still think those are his feelings you know yeah, what I mean yeah. um, but I did love the way John Cho portrayed it and yeah. I felt again I think I'm so sad that people that more people didn't see that movie I was like telling yeah. Everyone, I was yeah, like, no, but I think I, I have um, I have very positive feeling that it will be respected more soon when more people see it, and then the conversation is going to be why the hell didn't we catch it yeah. in the theaters? Because yeah, I had friends or, or people I know on on social media on Twitter that would be like, oh yeah, I, I hear the new Star Trek's good, but I, I missed it. I'm like, well, it's still in theaters, and like ah, I'm going to the beach yeah. this weekend. And it's like, well, you you lose, you yeah. know? And, and with a compelling villain, too. Like, Idris did an amazing yeah. job, in my opinion. At first, when I was watching it, I was like, what is this guy really doing? <laughs> and then as soon as, like, you get the twist, you're like, oh. And it was, uh, I loved it. I fought for you. <laughs> I mean, Idris again, Idris doesn't have to do much to take my money, but uh, he yeah. did a great job. He was pretty cool. And I love uh, the gal. I love, I forget her real name. Oh, uh, yeah. The French it Algerian woman with the Jala, long last Jala name. Or Jala or whatever. Well, Jala, the yeah. But yeah. the actress's name, I don't, I can't yeah. say if that my head but um and uh she'll be back in the comics for sure um and oh. if they make this fourth movie they who the hell knows if they will or not but I, with, I, it's gonna be hard now with you know Antoine and and the movie not doing as well right well they would not recast Chekhov yeah. they, for sure and um but the thing is the movie didn't do poorly um, no you didn't but I think it, it definitely didn't, done more. It didn't hit the what they hoped it would. I don't think so. I think you're right. Yeah. And um, so what they would do is, if they did a fourth one, they would do um, it on a, a lower budget. Yeah. You know, they say, look, this is what these movies make now. Yeah. And I still think it's worth it. If I was in charge of the studio, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say, look, you know, we we want our action movies, our our IMAX movies, to make a profit margin of X. Mm-hmm. And we didn't make that, so we're gonna just bring everything down a notch, and you know. People that see Star Trek movies see them. Yeah, like so, you got our money. Right. We're gonna show up <laughs> right, right. as much as we bitch about right, shit. Right, right, Sorry. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's that's. So when they put me in charge of Paramount, that's what I would do. But <laughs> it, it ain't happening soon. But but um, you know, it, it was it was good, and I ultimately am positive on the new films. I mean, there were there are some bumps in the road, but no, I'm, yeah. and I agree with you on Into Darkness. The Biggie is gonna be the new show. I mean, yeah, we, we should probably oh, yeah, wrap yeah. up by talking about this. It's still. You know, any minute now, we're going to have more news about the show. Yeah, it seems we very under wraps, you know? It's like extremely they're, under wraps. They're, they're but guarding it. The, the, the educated guess is um, <clears throat> Jacqueline, my reporter from uh, Black Girl Nerds <laughs> Incorporated, uh, <laughs> .org, is, is probably going to be a black woman in the lead. Yeah. Probably. Yes. I'm not 100% sure. It's probably it may it may be a Hispanic woman it may be an Arab American or Arab uh, Anglo Anglo Pakistani whatever mm-hmm. or it could not it could be a white girl we don't know um, but it you gave me a wink like I'm it's like, not I mean <laughs> it's probably not it's it, probably all, not all signs point to it not being and I mean there's so many new things they're doing about this a making it a woman in the lead b making it a woman of color probably and c making it not a captain which in a way yeah. is the biggest shock of all yeah like it's gonna Star Trek fans aren't going to be rattled by it being a black woman. Star Trek fans are going to be rattled by it not being, being a, a captain. captain. You know? Well, maybe don't you... I mean, again, 
uh, this is me reading into it, but yeah. I didn't, um, I don't know what you're saying, but I like the idea of one thing we haven't really seen is someone's, besides Kirk in the new movie, someone's journey to become a captain. Right. Wouldn't you think that'd be kind right. of cool to see someone from an ensign to a captain? Absolutely. I, I, yeah. I really want to see that. I mean, we see it in side characters, but really just concentrate on that yeah. person's it's development. A, it's a little bit of like a view into Starfleet from a, from a different POV. I mean, yeah. That's really what it is, so... Um, yeah, I'm very excited about the new show, and when we know more, we should get in touch. Yeah. We'll give you a call, we'll Skype you in from New York, yes. and uh, we'll need to know what you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's the potential for this new show to be as big as Game of Thrones. Yeah. Why not? You know, yeah. They're putting a lot of money into it, and if, let's put it this way, if the producers of Game of Thrones, the TV show, had the ability to make concurrent films mm -hmm. in the same universe as Game of Thrones even if it was different actors believe me they would yeah you know? I mean look at like people talk about it I think you know one of the big drives to get the Flash and the DC movies is how well the TV show does and granted it's different right. characters but yeah. more people know Barry Allen yeah. and so when they see Superman and all that they want right. to see that so go so why did the DC movies suck so hard and the TV shows they are had, good <laughs> were you at the debates didn't we talk about this <laughs> Zack Snyder hello oh man you <laughs> yeah. know what's funny about Zack Snyder is he has made two movies that I love. All right? I'm going to okay. tell you. I honestly think 300 is wonderful. Yeah. Um, because it's for its time, it was so visually innovative. I think it's satirical in a Verhoeven way. Um, I think it just it just looks great. And it was very great for its time because it was before the big rush of comic book movies. It was mm -hmm. right. It came out in 2007. Yeah, yeah, right early. Before, or before Iron Man. Yeah. A couple months. So I... Um, I loved uh, 300, and I still, I, I've seen it a number of times to make sure I still love it. I mean, it's ridiculous, over-the-top, alpha male garbage, mm -hmm. but it's it's done in a, if you're, if you're going to do it, do it all the way once yeah, in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With other, the abs and everything. Oh, yeah. Very handsome gentleman. <laughs> the other movie that he made that was great, The Guardians of Gahul. The owl oh, movie. Yeah. You remember the movie that you made Jim about Sturgis the owls? Is that Jim Sturgis' voice in that I mean, one? Probably, yeah. yeah, yeah There's a I bunch of owls so. flying around. I've seen it. If you asked me to tell you the plot points <laughs> of it now, I couldn't tell you. There's a bunch of adorable owls flying around, fighting yeah. bad owls, uh -huh. uh, little cutesy good owls. I remember just that movie just really grabbed me. And everything else he's made, eh. Man of Steel wasn't that bad. I, I, I'm I'm the wrong person to ask about that. I literally fell asleep on that movie oh, three times. Or. Could not get through it. I finally have watched it all the way through, but I it was literally a movie that I was like, I can't get to the end of this movie. I just can't. Like I feel like there's something holding me back. It's, it's, um, uh, yeah. Well, then you probably really hated Batman v Superman. You right? know what? Um, I did not. This is this is another one. I did not watch the theatrical version. I only watched the extended Which version. Which is like forty thousand yes. hours long. Yes, but. Yeah. There was a reason for it is um, yeah. they flew BGN out mm -hmm. to that and a couple other people I know went to that very first like fan showing that they did mm -hmm. out in uh, L.A. And based off of what some people said, I was kind of like, you know, I'm not going to run to go see this. I know it's part of the nerddom and I should no, be going like... Going back to what you said earlier, um, time is <laughs> precious. <laughs> and so I didn't run to see it and I yeah. did not hate the director's version, I think, oh, as much. Okay. It was long as hell. But you had been prepared to... to, to yeah, I, I, get, I went into it thinking that it was going to be... Atrocious. Yeah, and so the fact that I was yeah. able to at least get through it... Yeah. Um, no, it's not atrocious. It's watchable. Um, Jesse Eisenberg's version of Lex Luthor is obscenely terrible. Did you but hear who that was based off of? 
No. So there's a rumor that that was based off of the screenwriter Max Landis, who did Jesse Eisenberg's laugh. <laughs> and if, wait, 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 wait. So he did, you know, American Ultra. Yeah, I know. And, sure. you know, I'm not going to lie. If you go and look at some Max Landis wow. interviews and then go look at that version of Lex Luthor... I'm not saying that it's not too far off the mark. Well, that's very funny uh, for a number of reasons. Um, we have had someone on the show uh, who, is, who is working with Max Landis, so I have to at least put up lift service to say uh-huh. that I like Max Landis, but uh, we had Dean Pariseau on the show. But, um, you, you know, I don't, I don't think Eisenberg is the type of actor that uh, is watching videos of other people. No, too. no, no, but, like, just inspired by. You know okay. what I mean? Like, he pulled some of his manner as... Uh, Look, there's like a couple of YouTube videos where oh, they put them side by side. I'm not saying it's wrong. Well, it's very funny. I, I mean, mean and, and, and Landis is very much in the conflict world. Well, who knows? You know, that's that's the beauty of art. You yeah. can interpret it any way you want. You yeah, know? no, I, uh, whatever. I'm probably yeah. like, the internet's going to be like, what is this you talking about? But I, <laughs> no. I'm not going to lie. I was, I, I bit the Kool-Aid on that. That's uh, pretty know, funny. That uh, conspiracy theory. That's pretty funny. All right, well, listen, well, let's let's end it on that if people want to go and yeah. check out that. But uh, we can follow you on Twitter at... Yeah, so you can follow me at... At Miss Blurtis, but that's M S B L E R D E S S. Miss Blurtis. Miss Blurtis. Miss Blurtis. Okay. Um, and blurred is yeah, it's black, black nerd. nerd yeah. S is the feminine yeah. of that. Yeah. So there so, you yeah. go. And I'm the I'm I'm the missus. I married it basically. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, and then also check out blackgirlnerds.com. We just yes. redid the site, and we've got a lot of great stuff on there. You don't have to be black or girl, but you probably you probably would enjoy it more if you're a nerd. Yeah. Um, and uh, we do some really great stuff, and yeah. I'm really happy to be part of that well, community. Well, no, it's a, it's important to um for a white guy like me to check out those sites uh because um uh you know uh, sometimes uh how do i say this the right way i want to say it like a guy like me can sometimes think that we know what other groups are thinking and we can be totally off base yeah and not out of any uh, malicious intent just be like you know if you don't have that experience you don't know what the hell Sometimes thinking all the, the same time. thing, yeah. and someone that's in the community. Sometimes yeah. something that like later I'll look at and be like, "That was not kosher." When I first look at it, I'm like, yeah. "Oh, that didn't. I didn't click that in my head originally." And so sometimes it's good to go to the community and see what other people are thinking about it, just so I could be like, "Oh, maybe I have some blinders on and yeah. certain things," you yeah. know. Um, from yeah, everybody, phone. every I mean, you're never done educating yourself, you know. Yeah. So it's good. We had another. We interviewed um, the four gals uh, who run the podcast called the women at warp which are four different voices they're, they're all women but they you know they're not they don't speak in uniform voice it's four people with four opinions and uh their podcast is terrific okay. so um uh, you should you should join women forces with them at some point i gotta check that out um, all right so that's the scoop and uh yes oh we've been yapping for a while now yeah. so we're gonna beam out of here and we'll see you all next week bye
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.